on this entry of Animation Deliberation, we're covering What If Episode 3. What if the Earth's Mightiest Heroes fell? We're going to get right into that after some ads that we have no say over whatsoever. You're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice rasp. Nice rasp. It's becoming of you, hair. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously but not too seriously. And sometimes we ponder questions just like what if, and we're doing that today. And to do so joining me is the man with the raspy voice, Mr. Zuhair (laughs) Ali. What's up Zuhair? How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, got to celebrate the wedding for one of my good friends over the weekend. It's three days of celebrations and, uh, clearly I haven't fully recovered it from it yet. Not sick or anything. Just haven't quite gotten my voice back yet. Sounds like Rebels were had. In good spirit. Rebels were had. And these maybe wondering, with me losing my voice, might be pondering the question, how is Zuhair going to go through this whole show without being able to talk? And I spoke with Huatu, and he said that to maintain the sacred timeline of this podcast, we had to reintroduce our guests from What If Episode 1, Mr. Andrew Uh. Rogers. Thank you for the assist. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome back. Well, thank you. I was excited to get the call to duty from Awatu. I <laughs> wasn't expecting Jeffrey Wright to come down from the stars, but I will never say <laughs> no to a man with such prowess. One never does. How could you? How could you? There wasn't a way, so here I am. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we we had a lot of fun having you on for that first episode, and you brought up a lot of great points. It was a really great conversation. And we got a lot of great feedback uh, regarding your appearance. So we're definitely excited to have you back and uh, break down this latest entry of What If. So let's go ahead and do it. I will go ahead and just mention the fact that I did appear on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast for the instant reaction there, where we watched the episode and then broke it down instantaneously there. So uh, again, I'll try not to be too self-referential there. But yeah, just go back and check out that episode. With that said, I've already had an opportunity to get my thoughts out there. You guys, I open up the floor to you. Um, Andrew, why don't you go ahead and just let us know what you thought about episode three? I thought it was a great episode. It was fun and lighthearted at times and then had a lot of action and a pretty interesting story along the way. We got to see a lot of our favorites coming back around. It has been a different jump between these three episodes, kind of a bit of whiplash going back and forth. But uh, what if has quickly climbed its way to the top of the Marvel TV list for me? I think Ooh, it's, uh... I like to hear it. I like mm. to hear it. Yeah, I 
I honestly might even put it above the other three so far. Wow. It wow. came out of the gate strong here. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Glad you're enjoying it so thoroughly. I'm I'm, I'm right there with you. Loki is a, a high bar, as I've said, but I, I'm thoroughly enjoying what if so I'm far as the, well. I'm in the rare boat that WandaVision is actually my highest bar of the three so far. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And Falcon so, and the Winter Soldier is my highest bar. Oh, well, well, there we go. There we go. We very gotta... different perspectives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to have, uh, you know, nice diversity in terms of viewpoints on the quote unquote panel here. Uh, Zuhair, were you laughing at the uh, high bar for low key? No, but I like that. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, why don't you go ahead and uh, let, let us know what you were thinking about episode three here, Zuhair? I mean, my ranking right now is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, mm. and then Loki. And I think What If is above Loki and like creeping up to WandaVision right now. Okay. Uh, so I I get so excited to watch Disney Plus shows that I just hit start. And I actually never even get a chance to see the episode title. Which is actually a lot more fun because I had no idea what was going on when I started this episode. And I was like, holy crap, how did Tony die? Um, so this, this episode, not knowing the title, like the level of suspense, like I had no idea who the villain was. I had no idea what Nick Fury was doing at the end. Like it actually was like a full mystery for me. And I had no idea like what the objective of the episode was. So it was, it was a really wild ride. I loved it. I liked that it was more of the spy thriller and more of like solving a case than it was like pure action or we have to stop the bad guy. It's like, who is the bad guy? Yeah. Uh, so this episode was really well done. It was it was a lot more. It was hitting the creative point a lot more. Whereas like instead of just switching one thing, it was like, no, we have a group of people who were collectively being targeted, and actually putting Nick Fury as the main character instead of any of the Avengers, which I was very fascinated by. Um, with our discussion of Owatu, I do want to point out that like I love how in every episode when there's a transition scene, you kind of see him like on the horizon in the background. It's a very yeah, yeah. nice touch. I love how Beautiful. they've been doing that. Because yeah. um, I know in the very, very, very few comics that I've read, Civil War being one of them, like Owatu like, physically pops up and it's like, oh, if Owatu's here, something big's about to happen, something historical. But sure. I like how it's more subtle. Like Coulson's just driving with his coffee sitting on the phone. And you see him like above the mountains. I don't recall seeing him in the first episode, but his inclusion within two and three, I've absolutely loved. And I'm excited to just kind of be like, where's Waldo or for Uatu? Yeah, it makes me want to go back and rewatch those first two episodes, even though I've already seen them each like three times at this point. I don't think he's shown up at any point, but if he has, it's been super subtly. Um, Andrew, as the person that caught uh, Tommy Lee Jones being rendered in that like blink and you'll miss it moment in the Captain Carter episode, I'll, I'll refer to you. Have, has Owatu made a, an appearance outside of like the intro and outro of the episode outside of episode three so far? Two and three. I remember seeing him in two. Oh, where was he at in two? He I can't give just... you the exact moment right now, but I know he was there. Oh, it's okay. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe he was just in the stars while they were flying uh, the ship in episode two. I think so. Right, right. Okay, now that you, you say that, I do remember that. Yeah, that's correct. And okay. Honestly, I'm kind of holding out hope now, especially after what you brought up at the beginning, Jay Scotty. I kind of want to see more of Awatu. We saw him no times in the first episode, once in the second. It was twice now in the third are we going to get him in some grander growing role throughout this show? I'm kind of hoping that it gets better 
and better. And actually, I am now exactly remembering it was the scene when Star-Lord got kidnapped. Owatu was in the stars right as the Ravager ship was coming uh, down. He was looking over Wakanda. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. It okay. might have been twice in that episode. And I think the other one might have been like when the Milano was flying to like nowhere or something like that. I was going to say, I guess I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> well, if you want the fun Easter egg, it's not the Milano actually in that one. Right. He renamed right. it the Mandela to be his hero mm. as opposed to Quill's hero. I That's don't know right. if you guys mentioned that last time, but it has not been brought up. I did notice it, but uh, it never came up for whatever reason. And it's a, a real nice, like, play on words because not only is it making reference to nelson mandela but it's also playing on the mandela effect which is kind of like what if is all about like these skewed perspectives or alternate timelines where one little thing has changed and if anybody's listening and they don't know what the mandela effect it's basically the occurrence or like a miss a collective miss memory where they call it the mandela effect specifically because uh, a group of people believe Nelson, incorrectly that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 80s where he actually lived until uh, I want to say like fairly recently almost like I want to say as late as like 2013 but maybe it was 2003 right. yeah anyway getting off the rails there um, but yeah he he wasn't as chatty as he was in the last episode because I feel like in the last episode he kind of dropped like some narration throughout and it wasn't as frequent here, but I like his like wh whenever he is included, it's it's very well placed. It kind of made me wonder if we are like seeing. Almost like different points of his viewing of the what if scenario, because he is the watcher. Mm -hmm. So with like episode one, it's almost like he had already seen it so he could provide that kind of narration, like knowing what's going on. In episode yeah. two, he's seen a little bit less, so he talks a little bit less, and he's more there in the proceedings watching with us. And then this one, yeah, exactly. That's kind of a the mystery of it. Not only is it the murder mystery who done it, it is the mystery of that question he's always told us. What is the specific scenario that's caused everything to change? And we did not know in this instance. So it's almost like, are we watching in real time with him now? I I wonder. So now... Jay Scotty, this is a recurring question for you. Andrew, this is your perspective for the first time. Do we still feel like this is all still happening in the same universe? Do you think that like there actually is like one specific parallel timeline that they're looking at where we have a Captain Carter, T'Challa, Star-Lord, and now no Avengers? I don't want to say definitively no. But with that scene at the end of him digging a shield out of the ice, when we know Captain Carter's shield is not in the ice. Oh, right. It makes me think, no, as of last week, I was on board with it all being in one interconnected, interwoven universe. But I think that might debunk it a little bit right there if we mm -hmm. had to, which is kind of sad. I was hoping mm -hmm. to see yeah. everything culminate at the end in some grand fashion. Yeah, and I still think there's potential for that. I I do think it could almost be like, the Avengers assemble moment could be these various heroes from different multiverses. It doesn't have to necessarily be the same connected universe. It could be like the ultimate assemble in, in that way. Like everybody's from a different universe, but yeah, I, th I think we were all on the same page there thinking that it was going to be connected, but as you brought up and Matt brought up on the instant reaction, like that's the thing right there when you see the cap shield and it's not the captain Carter shield, 
immediately know things are going to be a little bit different, but there is still an opportunity that it might not be so many different universes. Maybe it's just a couple, like two or three that we're dealing with because Jeff responded with the great counterpoint there. Now that the Avengers are dead, that's a great setup for the zombies that we're going to see down the road. Oh my. That is something I didn't even think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's dark. So. Way to go, Jeff. <laughs> they do the dark we do the light over here <laughs> yeah yeah so what are you guys thinking about uh because this is animation deliberation we can get a little more into the performances as well as the animation i did want to ask about some of the performances of as well as the in addition to the recognizable voices some of the uh, new voices are the voices that are filling in. So did you guys, were there any standouts in terms of like, Hey, I know that person is not the person from the MCU. Did, was there anything like that? Cause I know, I think we said in episode one with Steve Rogers, there was a little bit of that, right? I have a pro for a voice. I have a con for animation. Which would you like to hear first? Uh, surprise me. Let's roll the dice here. What you got? <laughs> All right, I'll get I'll get through my con real quick. Um, this episode felt clunky again, like the first one did. Oh. Specifically, when Crossbones checks the back of the truck after Nat got out, and the way his arms go up and down just okay. did not look natural. It looked, I'm sorry to say, just looked like cheaply animated. Oh, so I don't okay. know if they're using like the fluidness very sparingly. And then in the scene after, like when Clint Barton's touch turning his head, like he turns his head and then like a second later, his body follows. Like, huh. Interesting. And here's the thing, like on initial watch, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. So the fact that I caught onto those things on initial watch was like, this is weird. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I do agree clock. with you, Zuhair. It was, uh, I did catch some of those this time around. The, the crossbones one stuck out like a sore thumb for sure and i think running in general is just a little bit of an issue i don't hmm. know what it is but even if i go back to like that first episode when captain carter was running next to the motorcycle to catch up she just kind of looked very blocky and jumpy hmm. and yeah it, it didn't really do it for me so much in a lot of it's the like it's like a freeze movements. frame where like the legs stay in one spot for a second kind of hovering and then like to just switch and switch and switch and switch and yeah of... it's almost like things are out of sync that's a yeah good way to put it hmm. <clears throat> it's unfortunate like i said bad batch has set quite a high standard for me when it comes to like what disney plus is capable of doing with animation so it's um it's it's slightly disappointing but overall they're still doing a good job with the with the quality and the content yeah it's it's funny that I'm I'm glad you're able to provide specific scenes this time that I can go, kind of go back and examine. But with Rumlow, it wasn't necessarily his movement so much. He was one of those ones that like the render. I didn't. I had to like question myself a couple of times. I was like, oh, is that Rumlow? Is that supposed to be Rumlow? Or is it's kind of like what Matt brought up as well? Do they have the rights to everybody's likenesses? I I feel like uh, why can't I think of that actor's name? Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. Yeah, yeah, I feel like he's been pretty cooperative with the MCU, and he's one of those guys that, you know, uh, actually, I think he came back to provide his voice. Uh, I'm actually fairly confident. Yeah, I think he, he was yeah. one of them. Yeah. But anyway, in comparison to like the, and I can't remember the character's name, but the guy that played KG Beast and, you know, the DC side of things that has the slick back hair, compared to him, like, I thought his he was much more instantly recognizable. And like, I brought up 
Thunderbolt Ross. It's funny. He wasn't even uh, voiced by William Hurt. He was voiced by uh, Mike McGill, but I thought he was still instantly uh, recognizable as, as William Hurt there. So it's, it's funny you mentioned that one because I was just doing my rewatch and I was like, it seemed like they were actually going for a younger version of Ross because in widow, like he's like 15 years older and he was already like kind of old then. Mm. So it's, it, it seemed like the intent of that voice actor was to actually go with a younger version of the voice and not so much. I hate to say broken up because that's how I sound right now, but <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, I, I heard the cadence, but at the same time, I was thinking like this seemed like more of the confidence that was in his voice as a general in Incredible Hulk and less of him being secretary of defense. Oh, I can't golf anymore because I get a heart attack from it. Um, yeah, yeah. In the in the later movies. Um, but I guess that, that kind of transitions like the last point that I want to say on the animation was like, God, do they love their highlights? Like whenever lights hitting the back or side of somebody's head, it is so blown out. I like oh, the color sure. choices. Like it's like very obvious. Like, hey, there's a purple light coming from here. There's a gold light coming from behind. But it's like, wow, those highlights are defined. I don't have a problem with it. It's a design choice. I've observed it. It is what it is kind of thing. It really works for Nick Fury, I will say, with the bald shaved head. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I liked it a lot for T'Challa last week where you could see the purple and gold kind of bouncing back and forth. But Ooh, it was yeah. funny seeing it with, like, I guess more everyday people again and bald people. <laughs> yeah, they had a couple of reflections coming off of his head. And it was the same way they did headlights and other things where it's just glaring in every direction as soon as the light hits him. And it's that's his superpower as a spy. He just blinds people with his head, just shines a flashlight <laughs> on himself and they just can't see him coming. It's the JJ Abrams lens flare going. Yeah. So my yeah. positive um, was with Natasha's voice. You could okay. clearly tell that it was somebody else voicing her, but she nailed the swag. Oh, it was Scarlett Lake, Johansson. It was Lake Bell, who's a pretty uh, prolific performer. I know her from a lot of comedy stuff. She did uh, Wet Hot American Summer, as well as Children's Hospital on Adult Swim. Okay, yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, I you could clearly tell it was somebody else, but she had that swagger of Scarlett Johansson and like the way that she delivered her lines and like when she, you know, like that flirty tone that she kind of has when she's responding to people, like. Oh, oh sure. what's your problem right now? It's like, oh, I'm going against a Viking army. Show off. Like the way that she delivered those lines, she nailed that swag. And I, I really, I really appreciated her, her performance in that. Yeah. I can't say anything better. I was thinking all of those same things. And <laughs> she's, she's probably the number one standout. Cause the rest hmm. of the, it seems like the rest of the actors really came back that had major roles. Most of the other voice actors that were different, or voice actors and actresses rather they had smaller roles so i didn't really notice it sure. as much i think it was really fun to hear mark ruffalo as uh, bruce banner again in yeah. that situation that and honestly i think this is the first time we've really acknowledged those scenes from the incredible hulk in the mcu since that movie happened so they didn't really yeah. seem to ignore it or dance around it and as soon as they showed the corridor in the college i knew right where we were going with that whole scene oh yeah and then Colbert adding university yeah. yeah yeah and adding mark ruffalo's voice just made it fun again i was mm -hmm. drawn right in to wonder okay how does it go differently this time now that ruffalo's back 
I get a lot mm. of crap for enjoying that movie, so I'm glad they included it in this. I like that movie as well. Yeah, growing up as a kid, that was actually my first experience to the MCU. Oh, cool. I was, okay. I was a bit too young to be into the MCU from the start. I didn't know that they were building a connected universe, so I had no idea when a few years later I saw Iron Man that they were connected. I was just like, oh, oh this cool. is another superhero movie. This is cool. I wonder if it's going to be like the Hulk. Like That was up there with Spider-Man for me as well. So getting back to that for me was a huge nostalgia bite. I didn't know the Avengers were a thing. Like I knew of the Justice. I was more on the DC side. So I knew Justice League was a thing because I watched the Justice League TV show. So when I was in high school, when Iron Man came out and when Nick Fury delivered that line, like I spent my time going like, whoa, what are they putting together? What is this team? Oh, yeah. And never bothered to look into it. And no one bothered to enlighten me either. So when I saw Tony come up at the end of the Hulk, I was like, oh, my God, they're putting movies together. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. My exposure while we're off on this little tangent, I'll just go ahead and say that's the thing about like Marvel's success. Like all of the Avengers, with like the exception of Captain America and Spider-Man, are are pretty much like C-list characters. And I remember the the Iron Man cartoon that came on in the 90s was kind of like my first exposure to iron man and whatnot uh but my favorite character oddly enough was the mandarin in that cartoon i always gravitate towards the villains for some reason but uh that you know that was in the heyday of batman the animated series where mark hamill was killing it as uh the joker but anyway let's get back to to what if here so we always have the the discussion of who was better nor in our ruffalo and oh, is that is that a discussion? <laughs> okay, I guess that's much of a discussion as uh, screw you, Zoo, for having an opinion. Um, not oh, you guys, right. just in general, just in general. Um, all right. So, anyways, I thought Norton was good for that movie because it was like a chase moving, always on the run type thing. I felt like he fit that persona. Like, sure, you saw Mark Ruffalo trying to hide in Ragnarok, and he didn't seem like he was the most like agile person. Yeah. So I felt like both of those roles fit for like what the movie expected of them. And I was like pretty set on that. But the way that they put him in what we understand in the Hulk, I was like, I actually do like this. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like if we were to if we were in the parallel universe where Mark Ruffalo was put in the first time, like the vibe of that movie would have been totally different. And I don't think it would have been like as much of the chase scenes and you would be seeing more of the science end of it. So it was it was cool how they incorporated it and changed it enough to like fit Ruffalo's swag for how he would be in that environment. And he was like more like laxed, like in the glass bridge and things of that sort. So I was curious on y'all's thoughts on that, but you've said quite a bit just in that initial reaction. No, no, I, I've, <laughs> I already said that I like the Incredible Hulk and I do like Edward Norton's performance. But as far as Mark Ruffalo goes, it was one of those things when he was cast for the Avengers, I was a naysayer. I was, I, I counted him out. I didn't think he was the right choice. So when he delivered, I was just, I ate my words and I, I've loved him ever since, but you're totally right. Like thinking back and trying to imagine Mark Ruffalo, like specifically that breathing technique where he's like having to do the ab workout with the, you know, the instructor. Like I just can't see Mark Ruffalo in those scenes at all. Yeah. And that we kind of take something away from the incredible Hulk because that's, what I love about it so much are the chase sequences, like the whole Brazil backdrop there, having the yeah. rooftop 
chases and, and it's it's really cool and it's just such a unique flair for the the mcu but yeah i i did say it on that instant reaction i i loved hearing mark ruffalo's voice the render was a little one of those ones that was kind of hit or miss for me sometimes like at certain angles i was like oh that's that's mark ruffalo right there but then other times it was just like the way the hairline was rendered it was just kind of like yeah i i don't know what did you guys think? younger mark ruffalo okay yeah, it was a bit weird. I also think Coulson's came out weird in a couple of those scenes. I think okay. he didn't quite have the correct, I guess I'll call it a head shape, because it wasn't quite his face. It was like the top of his head just seemed a little off in a few of the scenes. He he seemed a little tall, almost, is the way okay. that I would describe it. Like, they almost extended him. I don't know, it was just a little... Like, stretched almost? It. Yeah, he almost felt stretched. Yeah, that's a perfect way. He probably requested that. <laughs> yeah and he did a great job too but oh for sure yeah before we bounce away i'll give my thoughts on this hulk since we're on the topic um yeah, yeah i absolutely agree with everything you said and i think part of those movies that was great is it was the dark look at bruce banner the turmoil that he has to go through trying to deal with the other guy mm-hmm. and trying to figure out the science side of it as well as running away from you know, the military and again, not turning into the Hulk, figuring out all of these scenes. And I agree, Ruffalo couldn't have quite done the chase, but I think uh, the reason I loved him in What If here so much is the Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe made superheroes funny again. Mm-hmm. And Mark Ruffalo brings the comedy back to the character that I don't think Norton quite had. So with this episode of What If being hilarious with all of the hair comments the crossfit comment ruffalo just bringing in all of these different things i think it was better to have ruffalo in there to bring the comedy aspect that again norton couldn't have done and i think that was the big difference of okay i'm back to wanting to continue mark ruffalo in this role yeah for sure great point great point yeah i forgot about that crossfit line between that and uh what we do in the shadows crossfit the crossfit community has been the uh, the subject of a lot of humor here lately so <laughs> <laughs> while we are still kind of talking about hulk and just uh some of the performances and whatnot i did want to bring up not to be super super negative but i thought betty ross while it was really cool to see that character brought back since we have not seen her since the incredible hulk that was one of the moments that definitely took me out of the show because i was like is that supposed to be Liv tyler are they even trying to make it look like Liv tyler and then uh, just, you know, Stephanie Panicello, all the, you know, credit in the world. You, you did a, a fine performance. It was just, I, I felt it fell a little flat for me. Yeah, I definitely felt like they were just trying to make a new person entirely. I didn't feel like they were trying to embody uh, what we've seen of her before. It was just kind of like, this is what we want to do with the character. So we're just going to go that route. Yeah, sure. Yeah, she didn't. She was kind of a forgettable character from the Incredible Hulk movies, I think, (laughs) just because they threw her away in everything else. She never even came back up, even when Bruce had his little fling with Natasha. He didn't even say, I've tried to love before. It was just, nope, I've known no one always. Like, they just kind of threw away any chemistry that those two had. Yeah, which is why it was interesting that they chose to pit Natasha and and Bruce together for so long. It was almost like you, you could see the inklings of that romance in, in some ways. And she's right there. Betty is right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, based off the dialogue, based off the dialogue in the first Avengers movie, it seems like Natasha's been spying on him for a while. 
Oh, yeah. So it was just kind of like, all right, let me just go back to one of my targets that I have to check in with in mm-hmm. a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, this did bring up an interesting couple things just about the Avengers in and of itself that I wouldn't have thought of before, such as, you know, Natasha knowing about Bruce this far back during the big week. Like, she had no questions when Fury called her and said who Bruce was. And, you know, Fury had such a plan that was so spread out. And, you know, even bringing in Captain Marvel in this episode was such a interesting note of Fury was ready to call her all the way back at this point. Yeah. We always questioned, you know, why didn't he call her at other points? This shows that he thought about it, but he was saving her for the big one. And Thanos happened to be that big one. So I know it's retroactive and that's why we didn't see it before, but this is a really nice way to acknowledge it existed at some point prior. Yeah. He was hoping he would never have to call her. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, it's and it it gets the point gets driven home there at the end that and it's what I, I kind of said on the instant reaction there, but it really is about what is this idea of the Avengers and it really does go beyond these particular individuals that he he picked out. But with that in mind, I did want to I did want to ask we were you know we were kind of talking about Hulk for a little while there, and I for my money I will say Hulk got the worst death there. I wanted to ask, was there a particular death from our Avengers that like kind of broke your heart the most, not to be too macabre here. <laughs> well, that one was just brutal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, you saw them all coming. They all got their little bit of a fight back of what was going to happen, but the Hulk was just, I had no idea what was going to happen. You knew he had to fall in some capacity. And we even talked briefly about this. I remember on trivia last week of how do you kill the Hulk if you need to do it? None Mm. of us had an answer. This was the first answer that we've had. And I, even when they kind of gave the grand reveal of it was going to be one of the ant family, if you want to call them that, I had no idea how he did it. And I, for the longest time, thought they weren't going to explain it. But that was Mm. absolutely brutal and heartbreaking and i think giving natasha the last little bit was a a nice touch that you know she made it to the end because she was capable enough to evade hank through all of that right but uh, i'm clearly the biggest dimwit here at what point in the episode did they hint that it was one of the ant family i picked up on it I thought for a moment about it right when she said that there was a projectile coming out of the needle. I was completely grasping at straws, but I said, what do we know that's small? I didn't think it was going to be one of the ants. I thought they had shrunk Mm. something down and blown it into him at first. And then it was right around the time that she was on the computer. Janet kept popping up on different screens, and it felt kind of uh, that Janet Van Dyne was going to have some play in all of it. That was the okay. same scene that I made the realization as well between the figure approaching her from behind and then her like turning around and obviously knowing who it was and then the fight going down and it was an invisible figure. There was a, actually a slight moment where I thought it was Ghost for a second. Okay. But uh, oh, that didn't yeah. even cross my mind. Well, it was wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess the reason I didn't like I didn't think about it too much was. Like, I guess the ant concept, like, 
kind of came to me when Natasha turned around, but I was fixated on Scott. So I was like, what would Scott have to do anything with this? Hmm. And I wasn't really thinking that what we consider a hero would be involved in it. I definitely didn't anticipate. Like, yeah, the projector line came up and I was like thinking about things that just never crossed my mind. And then the Hulk scene was just kind of like, what the is actually going on right now? That hmm. was gruesome. And then they actually showed like what he did. I was like, oh, well, th- they had a problem on their hands if they didn't show us what happened. Because I immediately went back to everyone theorizing how Infinity War and Endgame was going to go. Oh. Uh, why doesn't <laughs> Ant-Man just shrink down, crawl in Thanos' ear, and expand? Uh, and you when say they sh- ear, but I think everybody else was thinking something yeah. else. <laughs> I don't anyway. know if we're allowed to be explicit. I don't know You're what good. tags You're... we have out there. I, I but... appreciate you trying to keep it <laughs> if clean. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. But yeah, when they didn't show us at first, I was like, did they let that happen? <laughs> is that really how <laughs> right, Bruce yeah. is going to go? Yeah, that's fair. But I do have a question for you guys on the topic of the deaths. Sure. Was it just me or was Thor a little too easy to take down with an arrow? I thought about it and then I was like, he was human at that point. So yeah, an arrow or a gun to the chest is an arrow slash gun to the chest. And it's okay, Hawkeye. I forgot he was human. Yeah, he didn't have any powers or abilities of a god. He was just a very strong human with fantastic hair. Yeah, because there's almost the argument to be made in that first Thor movie that he almost, I think he, you could almost say he gets killed or he's on like death's door after he got like knocked away by the destroyer. And like yeah. that is what makes him worthy. And that's when Mjolnir flies back to him and restores his powers there. I guess I didn't really uh, think about it too much because it was one of those things where it was cool to see Thor and especially the colored commentary there about how gorgeous he was and how he he smells like lavender and whatnot. But we didn't even get a vocal performance from him because he's just kind of there and and gone. But it does make me think back on Hawkeye, Clint Barton. And we talk about how heartbreaking uh, Hulk's death is, but Clint's is pretty heartbreaking too, you know, keeping in mind that he has a, a wife and kid and like, Fury just brings that up immediately. Like if he was going to go out, it, he wasn't going to take himself out. So just to see him slump over pretty, pretty rough. And as a spy, like you're supposed to be like emotionally contained. So the fact yeah. that like, we actually got to see him like panicking, like I never oh, missed sure. how could this happen? What could happen? What's going on? So him like by himself, just freaking out. Like that's a big, like emotional vulnerability that we don't get to see for these characters very often, especially the spies. So then like that be the last time we see him and then he's dead afterwards was like, yeah, it's pretty unsettling in his final moments. It's crazy. It's almost kind of like an inversion from that scene in civil war where we saw him locked up because like, he's like just kind of, you know, being catty to Tony stock, like, futurist knows what's best for you like this is complete opposite he's huddled in the corner just yeah beside himself yeah and seeing the effect that that had on natasha too Mm -hmm. just brings back up the relationship that they had and right i don't want to call it a missed opportunity but i want to see more of the relationship like her immediately just asking who do i have to kill yeah was such a moving moment yeah that was cool and what's i feel like the dialogue of I know how much he meant to you and he has a wife and kids was just a reminder for the audience. 
like, hey, just remember they have a relationship or mind where he has kids. I don't feel like Fury would actually say stuff like that. Hmm. I feel like in the heat of a mission, first off, he would be like, hey, Barton's dead on to the next thing. Because even in Avengers, it was like Barton's been compromised and Natasha's like, all right, what's the next step? Yeah, that's and fair. then if Barton was actually targeted, I don't think he would vocally say even in front of Coulson, oh, by the way, he has a wife and kids. Because then they would be targets at that point, too. So I feel like that was more of the audience than it was like something he would actually say to his agents and a story based off his character and demeanor. I, I think that's a fair assessment. I think you hit the nail on the head. That was for the audience. We all immediately think of the family that we've been exposed to so much. And back in 2012, when the Avengers came out, Hawkeye was a, a bit of a still a mystery there. None of that was mm-hmm. revealed until, you know, 2015 with age of Ultron is a good point. We've kind of, we've been talking about these deaths and, and the killer and whatnot, but we really haven't talked about, who it was outright we talked about members of the amp family and whatnot but what did you guys think about getting to see yellow jacket in a completely different context i loved it so much that was crazy (laughs) it was it was really especially because i didn't see it coming and like what the like the context and everything was like yeah that sounds like something hank pym would do if uh his daughter was killed as an agent just kind of totally blow it out of proportion and just go wild one of the one of the mcu the most underappreciated MCU property is the prelude comic with uh, Hank Pym as the Ant-Man. I can't remember Ooh. exactly which movie it was a prelude to, but there was a two-issue comic, MCU canon, of when Hank Pym discovered the Pym Particles and S.H.I.E.L.D. wanted to weaponize it. He was like, you can't have it. It's staying with me. So the solution was that Agent Carter was going to teach Hank Pym how to be a spy with the Ant-Man suit. Okay. And there was a comic of her teaching him how to, like, project himself. And in one of the missions, he actually comes across the Winter Soldier, like, in his cryotube. So this was, like, Cold War type stuff, and it was really awesome. So... No, appreciating that comic as much as I do and knowing what he's capable of as an assassin, it was nice seeing that he's been progressing his suit, he's been progressing his arsenal, mm-hmm. him being a, a genius scientist, like he was actually using his brain to figure out solutions on how to kill these guys. I was like, well done, Marvel. That is one yeah. of the coolest villains you have ever done with all the background that we've had on this guy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think it was a really interesting way to see Hank. We never really get to see how capable he is aside from his brilliance in Ant-Man. We really don't get to see him fight or anything like that. So I totally believe that A, Hank would have done this, and B, he would be capable of it. And we talked about great performances. I think Michael Douglas deserves a uh, honorable mention for just sounding mad and crazy and exactly like you would expect him to sound in this role i think he did a wonderful job with it and mm-hmm. yellow jacket being the answer i expected like i said one of the ant family i did not expect them to take the full turn into picking up the villain mantle yeah I, i'm right there with both you guys i absolutely loved it i relished michael douglas's super villainous performance he was very erratic unhinged but entirely believable. You understand this unstable emotional place he's coming from because we've seen it demonstrated with the character 
of Hank Pym in the past. He is overprotective to a fault. And that's just what I love seeing. It's almost like when someone that's at fault is proven right. And there's somebody with an ego like that. Ooh, dangerous, dangerous stuff. But I guess uh, in like retrospect, I kind of talked about how heartbreaking it was and how he had like that moment of, of redemption when he said, you know, if, if you cared about her, honor her, but he did have one truly, truly villainous moment. And it does tie back to Thor. We talked about, you know, Thor's death. And when he just says like, that was a mercy, you would have recruited him anyway. Like, Ooh, that is cold hearted. And I'm curious to see what, uh, cause we know Loki cares about Thor. We've seen it in the, in the future, even though this is a, what if scenario we know as cantankerous as that relationship is, they love each other. So I'm curious to see, I, I guess actually I'm a little frightened to see what kind of uh, justice the Asgardians are going to dish out. Yeah, that was very a uh, project inside of him. Just kind of offing him before they even have an opportunity to Ooh, like go against his objective. Yeah, and right. the, the touch on Loki was very interesting because I'm picturing it as Odin is in the Odin sleep and he's mm. like pretending to be king. And he knows that the people would go crazy if if they found out that Thor was killed. So he's kind of like putting on this act of like, maybe I should put on a front for them. So they think that I actually fought for our fallen king. And then they respect him more for going down to Earth and avenging his brother. And they like think of him as the king even better. Hmm. Yeah. He is the god of mischief. Yeah. I do think it was a bit sincere because we know he always loved him but yeah. I do like that spin that he's using it to his advantage in some capacity. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, we kind of forgotten to mention the proper end of this episode that he was really using everything to his advantage and, you know, taking over the earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Decided I'm going to stick around for a while. For how yeah. long? <laughs> All the nations of the world have decided to fly under my banner in one day <laughs> and you see the silhouettes of like all the guards like having their spears like at the back of us i was like oh my god yeah 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 Zuhair, you brought up project insight i actually got kind of echoes of that when we saw the asgardian like ships with the wings kind of flying overhead mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was a fun episode we'll get the uh captain marvel captain america team up cap and cap taking on Loki Hydra. Oh, I love the way that he said that too. It's like good to see you, Cap, and his Captain Marvel behind him. I was like, ooh, yeah, great transition. And we did talk about the blowout of lighting. I think that was the best lighting that we've seen so far, though. Was her familiar red and yellow hues over his shoulder, right as he said, "Welcome back, Captain." Mm, Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. That that along with having all the blues of the of the iceberg, so it really like stood out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get out of here, one of the things we brought up on the instant reaction that I thought was right for conversation is in this episode, one of the things we got is uh, we did talk about you know some of these films: Iron Man two, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Thor, the 2011 (laughs) Thor, and then even the Avengers in some way. Um, we got All a lot of, phase of lines, one, basically pretty much. Yeah. For, for the most part, we got a lot of lines uh, recontextualized and, and whatnot. Did you guys feel that was more effective, less effective? And were, did you have any favorites, any, any standouts? I liked hearing the other side of uh, Colson's conversation on the phone, calling up Fury <laughs> and saying, sir, we have a situation and having mm-hmm. Fury basically say, uh, I have a bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> 
and a, a lot of those were direct callbacks and uh i i know it's not answering your question but i did want to mention i kind of forgot i as a casual fan only or not casual i suppose if i'm here i'm not that casual but <laughs> it was actually a recent thing i found out that fury's big week was a thing i had no idea uh all of those events and all of those scenes happened over the course of a week right and I'm curious how many other fans picked up on that um, and that all of these things were happening, that Coulson was saying that over the phone as Fury was probably in some situation talking to Iron Man because everything was happening so congruently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm on the flip end of that point. I knew that it was called Fury's Big Week. And I like that it was like a retouch of those four or five days that he was involved in. And we know of phase one being as intertwined as it was and Fury's hopping back and forth, but it was nice seeing it in this 20 minute segment of like, okay, I'm here. Now I'm driving over here. It's this day. It's that day. Like, you know, uh, like if you knew of Fury's big week, like, you know that all this stuff happens, but to actually see it, like he's just on a plane, like going around the country, trying to like catch up to all this stuff in a span of five days was like, this is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I myself have not read the comic, but the guys on the MCU cast brought it up. They did some coverage for the Patreon, apparently. So, yeah, um, if you are an MCU completionist, which we all should be, really, seek out that comic, Marvel Unlimited, what have you. Going back to the lines, were there any any lines that you guys wanted to mention before we get out of here? Um, I did also like uh, the Loki line of bow before me and Fury taking T'Challa's line of we don't do that here. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was so good. Yeah. I started laughing and my girlfriend looked at me and she's like, "What are you laughing at?" <laughs> I was like, "I'll tell you later. We'll we'll keep writing <laughs> gold. That's what you're laughing at. Writing gold." So, so much and I think that's why I have had just pure enjoyment out of what if is it has just been writing gold. Mhm. Mm uh mine was probably the nod to Iron Man 3 when Tony calls Rhodey asking for his password. So in this one, Natasha is calling Coulson asking for his password, and it's Steve, 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 I heart Steve, 1040. 0704. 0704. Well, I don't get my numbers mixed up. July 4th, yeah. That's my birthday, 0104. Or what'd you say, 0107? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, for flattery's <laughs> sake, let's say that I said that. <laughs> I hear what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> was that in reference to a comic, we think? Or was that just because it's a, a birthday? I'm just, just uh, yeah, it's, it, it's Steve's birthday. January, or uh, July 4th, excuse me. Independence oh. Day is, is Steve's birthday. Yeah. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, well, you know. He is the most, well, he is the star-spangled man with a plan. He's American. But yeah, <laughs> Star Spangled Man with an. That's <laughs> <coughs> the most singing I do the rest of this week. Rest those pipes, my friend. Rest those. You pipes. deserve some time off. Well, I I gotta say, uh, as far as the next installment goes, I think the only thing that I know about it is that it's it's supposed to be that final Doctor Strange revelation. So Ooh. looking forward to that one. I I really don't have too much speculation about it but dr strange is one of my favorite characters so what if seems like the perfect first well i won't say first foray in the multiverse because that's one of those things as we talk about the marvel 
cinematic universe. I feel like people are just like, the multiverse is just becoming a thing in phase four. The multiverse has been a thing even before Far From Home. The multiverse has been a thing since Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first time the light, that, that word was dropped, I believe. He went through the multiverse. That's what she did when she did the whole, like, projection. You're a man looking through a keyhole, open your eye, and then took him on that head trip. Right? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, do so we've talked about it being a congruent universe. Do you guys think any of these characters are going to show up anytime soon? We know it's canon, but do we think they're leading us to something yet? For like these in live action or in the show? Any sort of crossover, whether it be live action or we actually get one of our, you know, our Doctor Strange meets another Doctor Strange. And Do, do you think we're on that track or do you think we're going to stay separate? in the multiverse for a little bit. Hmm. As far as what if itself goes, I think there's potential that we'll find out that the big bad, if there is one connective big bad at the end of it, it might be connected to Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. If that's Wanda or some other multiversal being, I will just say, but outside of that, I, I would still say the strongest contender is Captain Carter because I, I can't think of any other ones that would be like instantaneously recognizable to both, you know, casual fans and, and more hardcore fans. Like who could show up on either side of the, the animation or the live action? Like if you take a live action character and bring them into the animation, what can you do to where we're like, that is definitively our version, you know, versus when if and when Captain Carter finally makes her live action debut, we're going to be like, okay, we've seen her before. I, I just, unless maybe there are more characters down the road. I, I think we've seen Spider-Man wearing a uh, highly, a high collared cape. So yeah, I think that's the spider hunter if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, Based off what we've seen, I agree on the Captain Carter. I feel like, um, fans are gonna like actually like march outside of disney with picket signs and sign petitions to like make sure that happens in live action because people want to see it so bad yeah. um but if they're not even recasting t'challa for the for the uh black panther sequel i don't see them recasting somebody to make a t'challa star lord so yeah um yeah. unless there's a story of peter joining ego i i don't know what else they could do with the three episodes we've seen so far Mm-hmm. Okay, just wanted to throw it out there. You guys have been asking me questions all night. I figured I'd have something for you guys. At least. <laughs> it, was, it was a good question. No, no. That's why we <laughs> have it here. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, well, I will say, how's this for a segue? One of my favorite things, I love going to the theater to take in my Marvel content. I always get excited when there's a new movie out there. But one of the best things about watching things on Disney+, Plus, if you miss something, you can rewind. You can go right back and say, oh, what did I, what did I miss there? Let me watch that again. And I missed something here on this podcast. We got some feedback. I should have hit it up top, but I did not. So let me rewind here. Let me roll back the clock and hit this feedback that we got from Andre Sparks. Our guest Andrew's going to take the reins and read this feedback for us from one Andrew Sparks. He posed a question to us. It wasn't what if. Actually, it kind of was what if. But uh, Be my voice. We, we bounced it right back, so. Hey, guys and gals, you asked me who I would choose, um, and this is in reference to who would be taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. 
or rather starting shield in the Captain Carter universe. You asked me who mm-hmm. I would choose. The obvious people are Howard and Steve. You all thought Bucky would be good too. I decided to try some different people since this is a completely different universe. Anything is possible. Number one, we have Nick Fury's dad, Jack Fury. Number two would be General Thunderbolt Ross. Number three would be Carol Danvers and Nick Fury Jr. Four would be the Howling Commando members. And five would be the U.S. government. What do you guys think? And, of course, keep up the good work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As far as his answers go, if they go the Jack Fury route, it's it's a little bit of a change up here. But I think they should use David Hasselhoff. He's already appeared in the Guardians films. And David Hasselhoff actually appeared as Nick Fury back in, it was either the early 80s or late 70s, but he actually appeared as Nick Fury in a like TV movie. So if they like retroactively made him Jack Fury, um, I'd buy that. Other than that, I think the most interesting answers there are Captain Marvel. It'd be interesting to see her just come back to, nah, you don't like that one? <laughs> so here's giving me the, the thumbs down for the audio listeners. There. <laughs> well, this is an audio experience anyway, so everybody's an audio listener. Uh, anyway, other than that, uh, the Howling Commandos, uh, of the Howling Commandos, I say Dum Dum Dugan, Neil McDonough is the most recognizable. Uh, man's got the mustache for leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Man with the stash. <laughs> Most powerful characters have mustaches. Just look at J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, Omni Man. Yeah. I, no, just J. Jonah Jameson. Anything he's done is just the most powerful character. Just J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh my god, somebody sent me this meme of um, having Omni-Man with the mustache fight Immortal Man, who has like the whole beard without the mustache, was one of the greatest decisions. And I was like, is it like a Highlander type experience where like if Omni-Man wins, he takes the beard and he's like the true hero. <laughs> and then if Immortal Man wins, he rips off the mustache. But like whoever has the whole beard is like the master of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. like I know we had enough invincible watchers to appreciate that stupidity. Okay. <laughs> I was going to jump back to the feedback since we kind of <laughs> went on a tangent there for a moment. It's uh, all good. It's all good. Jump back to the feedback. I think Thunderbolt Ross is an interesting one. I honestly kind of wonder about would Wakanda have kind of come out sooner and said that the world needs some defense if S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't already running rampant and doing all these things. I also think Ooh. Hank Pym is an option of someone we talked about how powerful and intelligent he was he could have very much been a i don't know if he has the leadership skills but he definitely has the technology and stuff he was mm, already working mm. for shield in the 80s yeah yeah i mean he kind of needed them yeah i like all those answers a lot no I, I think that hank pym answer is really fascinating especially in the context of the episode that we just broke down but Wakanda is also really cool too, because I, that, I said it on the instant reaction, but that was where my f- mind first went when Loki like rose up, like Wakanda would not sit back and take this willingly, but that, that's even more interesting to think if shield hadn't emerged as early as it did in the picture, would that have encouraged Wakanda to, to engage in the, in the world proceedings even earlier on that could be a really cool. What if scenario I like where your head's at. 
Yeah, what if is giving us stories that I kind of want to cancel some other down-the-road MCU stuff and just keep continuing these and seeing what happens? <laughs> like, uh, I want to watch Wakanda team up with Carol and Steve and fight Loki in this world. Yeah. Man, yeah. one that I can't stop thinking about, um, shout-out to Marvel Cinematic Universe. They had a They had a listener write in about, like, if, like, if the what if for us could be like off of real life situations. So like, what if the initial director of Ant-Man directed it instead of who we oh, had? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's, that's a great prompt. Yeah. But my favorite question. one on there was what if Inhumans was actually a movie and not the failure TV show that it was. And that's one that I would just love to see revisited. Mm. I never watched the TV show, so Good. I kind of exist in that middle ground it's kind of like Schroding, schrodinger's and humans for me even though i know, I know how bad it is <laughs> yeah neither so i'll abstain <laughs> abstain from comments as well i guess I'll, I'll just kind of throw this out there we we had a great discussion here we had a lot of fun obviously the three of us are really enjoying what if i think the guys on the mcu cast are really enjoying what if but matt brought up the point that he's been getting some feedback that's I'll say a little more lukewarm. So I I just kind of want to put the challenge out there. If you're listening to this and you're not as hot on what if forever, whatever reason, write in and kind of tell us what you're thinking. uh, Again, the show is called animation, (laughs) animation (laughs) deliberation. And as much as it is a celebration, it's also a conversation and a deliberation. I, I always like to get the other side of, uh, of the viewpoint from the other side there. So. With that said, I I think we'll bring things to a close here. So to our guest, Andrew, anything you want to let the people know that you have going on here? Uh, no, I don't have anything going on besides a very busy school schedule right this moment. So <laughs> I will take this time. You brought up talking about Marvel in theaters. I just want to do a little PSA while I have the air here for a moment. Everyone, please go, if you are in a position where you are safe enough in the U.S., go see Shang-Chi in trailers. Um, There's so much hype on the internet for this movie, but there's a lot of talk of if this doesn't go well, we're not going to get more Marvel content in theaters because this is the (laughs) first big one. It's also an amazing time um, for the Asian community to get a new movie out there that is something special just like black panther could be and we don't want to let this flop so i'm going to take my psa if you guys are safe go do it there's not many excuses because i am in the middle of nowhere new york so on september 3rd i'm driving an hour to get to my nearest movie theater just so that i can see this movie so that i know i did my part so that's my little psa that i kind of wanted to say that i thought of while you were doing that jay scotty besides that sure (laughs) that's all i have yeah yeah, between that movie coming out a week from today, the final Shang-Chi trailer being out, uh, the Spider-Man trailer being out, having an, like a legit Eternals trailer, like I am so stoked for the rest of the year. Yeah, Marvel is not holding back. The floodgates have opened wide up. And uh, yeah, that point you bring up, uh, Andrew, I'll, I'll just say, you know, like like you said at the top, do what's, do what's safe for you and your family. Make sure you, you do everything in a safe capacity. But that point that you do bring up, uh, they did put the statement out there that all theatrical releases going forward, especially the Eternals, especially is contingent on the performance of Shang-Chi. So um, outside of, of everything Andrew brought up, uh, Shang-Chi is a pretty seminal experience here. I, and I'm, I'm saying this as a white guy again. So it's just always nice to see the diversity here. And I hope it, it gets the success it, it deserves there. So 
I know how excited I am for Kamala Khan as a Pakistani, so I can only imagine yeah. how people feel seeing a, a movie with a Asian representation. Yeah. Especially after all of our Raya talk. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Raya, check Raya out and then listen to our coverage. We had a martial arts expert come in to, to break it all down with us. Uh, one of our best episodes, I'll, I'll, I'll say. Zuhair, do you have anything you want to let the people know about? I'm sure I'll think of something after we go off, but no. <laughs> yeah, just send in feedback. Like I've had some people who have been messaging me lately. I really appreciate it. I love the conversation going off uh, offline as well. But yeah, send in the email. Hit us up on Twitter, animation to lib one. Uh, send us those emails. Tag us if you're in the Stranded Panda Facebook group. I love interacting with you guys and uh, really appreciate everyone keeping us at the the top ten spot on charitable yeah. uh so yeah. help us help us stay there uh i feel like we're providing you awesome content so if there's anything that you want to hear from us please let us know couldn't have said it better myself yeah what if has been a huge show for our podcast we've seen a lot of growth the download numbers have been really good so that's thanks to everybody for lending the awesome support there and i will say uh if you like what we're doing just leave us a review reviews are the best way to help the show continue to grow and let us know that you like what we're doing um, outside of that for myself, I do have a lot going on for the Stranded Panda Network. I'm also uh, appearing on PandaVision right now for what we do in the shadows. That is a absolutely hysterical film as well as series with the third season just around the corner. And then uh, we're doing Binger's Assembled coverage for Candyman. We did the 1992 film and then the new version uh, actually at the time of this recording. People can see it early tonight and it'll be in theaters tomorrow, August 27th. Um, other than that, you know, stay tuned to everything that we have going on here at Animation Deliberation. And in addition to our continued coverage of What If, we've got Young Justice just around the corner. We got a knockout season three before that season four debut October 21st. So keep tuning in. That's T O N I N. Stay wound. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. 
Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower. Every note. Or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew. Cruising. You can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at AmFam.com. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. to top-rating company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.